You're listening to Autism Approved Radio, where we bring hope and help into your homes. Hi, everyone. Well, good morning, good evening, good night. This is Ron. And Kristen bringing hope into your homes. Because that's where we like to bring it, people. We like to bring it, we like to bring it. And we are just super jazzed, and I mean jazzed to be here. Yes, but I will tell you this, guys. It is hot out there. It's hot. And so in honor of it being pretty darn hot, we have decided to have this focus be take a chill pill from emotionally overheated to cool, calm, and collected. So basically, we're going to talk about uh, just any time in terms of when you find yourself getting emotionally overheated, upset, angry, and getting better at relaxing, cooling down, and feeling comfortable, getting better at really dissipating that. So we'll talk about that a little later. But first, we have a pretty epic argument of the day. Oh, we have to have it. It's got to happen. And here's what it is. Kristen Selby G., we have, you have to choose between this. Okay. Okay. The 80s or the 90s? Oh, that's easy. 80s that's all the way. Easy for you. Why do you like the 80s? I feel like the 80s was so much fun. I was little, obviously, but I uh-huh. so enjoyed it. And I think that the fashion, granted, I know that fashion in the 80s was a little bit outrageous, but you know what was really cool? People were like really creative. I mean, they had like the scrunchies in their hair. They had leg wow, rummers. that's creative. No, scrunchies? I mean, like they oh. weren't afraid of color. They weren't like everything was kind of like like the shoulder pads. Like everything was a little bit out there, you know? Um, <laughs> not to say I want to go back to the fashion, but I think it was fun. And I think that the music was just so different. And I feel like it was like... You know, very wholesome. I mean, you could be a pop singer. Yeah, I feel you could be a pop singer and and become famous, like you know, um, Tiffany, and go sing in the malls, right? And all these people, yeah, and they would all run into the malls, and all these people would be so excited. And now you spend like one hundred fifty dollars to go to these arenas where, like, you can't even see the artists barely and hear them. Okay, but I'm not comparing the eighties to twenty fourteen. I'm comparing the 80s Even to the in the 90s. 90s, and people were lip-syncing in the 90s. Do we not remember Millie Vanilli? Come on. Oh, yes. With Millie Vanilli, the, the defining thing about the 90s was Millie I'm Vanilli. I'm just saying, the 90s, you had, like, horrible pants, like those, like, big, huge parachute pants. That's the 80s. Nuh-uh. That was a 90, baby. That parachute pants. MC Hammer. At- 90s. Wait, let me think about yes. that for a second. <laughs> I know exactly what grade I no, was in. No, no. I'm sorry, MC Hammer, that is 1991 and 1990. Yes, right? 89, 90, wasn't it kind of? Well, it's still going into the 90s. That is, <laughs> MC Hammer is, you know, can't touch this dome, 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 dome. And again, I thought he was cool, but I'm just saying the fashion was like, really? And then remember, like, people put, like, combs in their hair, like, in the 90s? Combs? Yeah, remember, because, like, the MC Hammer people, like, they would, like, keep. Dude, can we not make, like, one or two. Art. If we're actually, if we're gonna do that, I will tell you this: '90s music. I mean, I, by the way, I can't criticize '80s. I'd like to criticize it. I can't because it's awesome and I do love it. But '90s music actually was much more powerful in terms of. I don't know if you even remember this because you know, I, I know it's all a blur to you, Kristen Selvage. But in the '90s, there was a real rise in um, pro women's music. Do you remember the Lilith? Lilith festivals, the little fairs they would have, where they would get all. By the way, before that, it was considered that a woman could not headline an act. Um, like if there were even if the woman was famous, you'd have to have an intro act that was male or vice versa. So this was the first time it was all female artists getting together, and their music was like music. People like Jewel and Paula Cole and Sean Colvin, and of course Sarah McLaughlin who ran the whole thing. And it was like 
deep, intense, good lyrics, totally like pro. By the way, one other thing about that is, I don't know if you remember this, politically, 1992 is considered to this day the year of the woman. More women elected to office that year than any other year before or since. And it was a whole, I'm, that's why I'm surprised you don't like the 90s better. It was such a pro-women decade. We, we backslid, really, by what? the way, at the end of it. But. I am not the woman that burned her bra. How many times do we have to say but this? But still, it's, but still. I feel this. You know what? It was wholesome. You didn't have to hear. The 90s was the beginning, like, in the 90s, obviously, until, you know, 2000. But it was, like, that's where the beginning of, like, all these songs came out about. Like what? Like, very um, degrading to women. Like more, what? More rap came out during that's that That's the very, at the end of the 90s, that's Eminem and all it that crap. It doesn't, doesn't matter. And it, it was still, in the 90s, is when the 90s started. More like 2000, but go No. On. And you're talking Eminem. I'm talking, like, other rappers, right? The 90s had a lot of rap in it. And basically, there was a Dude, lot. Since when does rap music not degrade women? Brand rap's been around for a while. It wasn't in the '80s. That wasn't like the mainstream. It became more oh, mainstream in the that, '90s. That part is actually true. And yes. so, and like they started talking about women in a totally degrading way. So yeah, maybe 1992 had the little affair or whatever. However, the music we're talking about music, and it really did change because in the '80s, I mean, do you not remember Madonna had like a virgin, and that was considered like. Super, super, like, like nobody could believe she was singing yes, the song. Yes, I do remember that. And now that would be considered so, so pure. Quaint. You know, know. Like, it would be. No, that's true. That's true. So I think the '80s had a. Oh my gosh, show. dude! The internet, though. The '90s is the decade of the internet. We're talking, yeah, that's true. That's kind of. But awesome. I actually think the internet has been good and bad. I think that the internet sometimes I feel like we are a slave to all this technology. I feel like before when you weren't home, you weren't home. When you went to work and you left work. You were done. But there, there weren't cell phones in the 90s. Not Doesn't widespread matter, but anyway. emails now, you have to like still, you go home and you still have work. They email you, right? And then before you had junk mail in your mailbox, yeah, now you got I junk hate, mail I and email. I hate email, so I have to agree with you on that point. <laughs> I totally agree. Okay, so far I've had two agreements. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, you're making some actually some pretty darn good points. But I will, I will tell you that, um, oh, the other thing is that the 80s, I felt like, was also like a lot of, um, well, first of all, it was like the Cold War, still, in the 80s, like the height of the Cold War. I, I remember when I was like a little kid, not that little, like 13 or whatever, I would like sometimes have nightmares about like nuclear Armageddon. Remember we had that movie The Day After and all that stuff? By the 90s, it was like blessedly finished. And that was actually the best The best decade for, like, global peace and stuff was the 90s. I mean, you had the end of apartheid in South Africa. You had temporarily, but we didn't know that at the time, you had uh, peace in the Middle East and things were going really well there. You had, she's young, she's, like, conspicuously yawning because I'm yawning because I'm talking about foreign affairs and war and, and peace and war and death. That's uh, not exciting enough for Kristen Selby G. But the, I'm just saying there was some awesome stuff happening with that peace in, peace in Northern Ireland also. All of this stuff happened in the 90s. In not, the 80s, it was like Cold War okay, hysteria. Okay, all I'll do is, all I'll say is, and I'll leave it at this, okay? And then we can agree to disagree. <laughs> okay. However, how many 80s parties do people have when they want to have a theme party? Do they ever pick the 90s or the 80s? Um, For the most excuse part... Excuse me. Yes, they do. They do have 80s parties. They also have 90s parties. I just have, went to one. They typically have an 80s party. Like, you go to clubs or you go to, like, Halloween parties or you go to, like, theme parties... Everybody loves going to an 80s party. You hear everybody loves 80s music. 80s music just makes it happy. And that whole era kind of just gives you that, that warm... That is true. It gives you that warm, happy that, feeling. Exactly. But it's a shallower feeling, I will say. Well, we can agree to, to disagree. disagree. Which will now bring us to... The theme, theme of the, the show. show. 
And we are talking about taking a chill pill from emotionally overheated to cool, calm, and collected. And uh, I'm going to start this conversation off because uh, I do a lot of work in this area. Actually, I have a whole webinar. Actually, if you ever want to see it, you can go to uh, um, you could go to option.org. www.option.org. Um, it's a place called the Option Institute. It's a long story, but I do I do a, there's free webinars you can watch on there. And I have this one called Strength Without Anger. And I want to bring forward some of these some of these concepts because what I've really seen, because I've worked with a lot of people on this, is that uh, anger has a pretty strong currency in our culture. It's almost seen as, of all the ways to be unhappy, versus let's say being sad or being depressed or being scared, anger is the one that's like almost gets the, the, the best rap in a way. It's like got the most charisma. People get, people respect anger. People even get angry at people who aren't angry enough. I remember people being upset with President Obama because he didn't act angry enough at the BP oil spill. So we wanted more anger. Um, so this is a, it's a particular kind of almost got charisma in our culture. And, but here's the thing I want to say. It's got that charisma because it's seen as the power emotion. Of all the unhappy emotions, it's seen as the power emotion. But the thing is, is that anger is not a display of power. It is a request for power by someone who feels powerless. Think about how you feel right when you're getting angry, right? You're often feeling not powerful, right? You're feeling kind of powerless and kind of like, like, oh, you're not getting what you want. There's nothing you can do about it. So this, I want to recommend a few things. First of all, we want to start to ask ourselves, what benefit am I getting from my anger? And there always is one. That's, That's the cool thing. You can find it if you look for it. What benefit am I getting from my anger and from how I behave when I'm angry? Now, there's also an incredible amount of side effects, which is why I help people not be angry. But at the same point, we always have a benefit that we think we're getting from being angry, and that's why, that's why we do it. Uh, anger actually requires three beliefs. Number one, that the anger serves me, that it like makes me powerful in some way. Uh, number two, if I don't get angry, I'll be a doormat. That's a really big one. A lot of people are really afraid if they, if they don't get angry when someone does something to them that they don't like, that they'll, that'll mean that they're powerless or a doormat or that they're just, in quotes, taking it. Um, And number three, that it's unjust or unfair. Unfair probably is the biggest one. This whole idea of things have to be fair, and if they're not, I'm going to get really angry. That that is a keystone in helping to fuel anger. So what that means is there is uh, there's some things we can do to help find our way out of this, which I'm going to throw out some of them now. And then, of course, if Kristen has any thoughts about this, she can certainly add them. But I'm going to call them the four acknowledgements, meaning if you acknowledge these four things, it's going to really help dissipate a lot of anger you may feel. And I do want to say this before I say these four acknowledgements. You may not think that anger is a problem. Like you may think I'm, I'm angry at appropriate times. But I would just say that particularly as a parent of a child on the autism spectrum, it's really going to be to your advantage to get better at releasing your anger and not getting angry in the first place. Because Number one, you're going to have a lot of challenges and things that challenge what you want. So you're going to have a lot of times you're going to get angry if you get angry every time you don't get what you want. Number two, it's really not helpful to be angry around your child. When you're angry around your child, even if you're not angry at your child, that causes um, a, a, lot of, a lot of problems, a lot of difficulties. Number one, your child will often not understand it, but will still see the anger and will see it as a threat, it will be an overwhelming sensory experience. They will often become either more aggressive or more withdrawn when they see that, even if you're not angry at them. So it's going to really be to your benefit to, to, to 
release and reduce and, and not even in the first place get angry. So here are the four acknowledgements. Number one, acknowledge that your anger, frustration, or annoyance isn't being inflicted on you by someone or something else. You're actually doing it to you. Meaning it's, it, you weren't given a potion that made you angry, right? Anger comes from beliefs we have. Anger comes from perspectives, which is why I told you those perspectives earlier. It comes from ideas that I need to be angry in order to be powerful or in order to take care of myself. Or I'm going to be a doormat if I'm not angry. Or I have to be angry to make things fair. So it comes from these ideas. So if we start to acknowledge that we're actually doing it, then at least we don't feel like we're victims to it and we can start to look for a way out. Number two, acknowledge that you are doing the anger in order to get what you want, meaning you're actually trying to get something, which is fine, nothing, nothing to be ashamed of there, but that means you're doing it on purpose versus you're doing it on, by, by accident, that you're doing it to try and either get someone to listen to you, to get someone to stop doing something, or possibly even to motivate yourself to do something like getting angry at yourself for eating to get yourself to lose weight. So you're, you're trying to get something to happen with your anger. Number three. Acknowledge that anger is not a display of power. It's a request for power because you're feeling powerless right now. And that's okay too. It's nothing to be ashamed of. But once you acknowledge that, it takes some of the power out of it. And last, acknowledge that unfairness are actually, is actually a made-up idea. That this idea that there's this magical thing called fairness that everyone agrees on that's fair to everybody exists, which it does not exist in this world. Your idea of fairness, I promise you, is not the same as my idea of fairness, which is definitely not the same as Kristen's idea of fairness. So the, fairness is just a, a way of explaining what we want and the way we want things to be. It's not some arbitrary thing handed down by the universe that everyone agrees with. So everyone has a different conception of fair, which means fair is just a made-up idea. So if you get angry when you think something's not fair, that's, it's all just based on a made-up concept. I love that. And um, can I throw some things Yeah, out? please. Okay, so when you're thinking also about anger, um, a lot of times, you know, I'll talk, on the, I'll talk on the mommy point of view here, right? So, you know, you might, get, you might be upset when you go home for whatever reason. And our kids recognize everything, guys. They completely feel all of our anger and all of our energy and everything. We used to have something that um, we would tell all the people that worked for us, and we still do this, actually. You know, if you were driving to go do a therapy session with Jackson and you get to the house and let's say you had a fight with your boyfriend before you got there or let's say a car cut you off or maybe uh, your other job that your boss got mad at you, whatever it is, we tell you to leave it at the door because what happens is we remind you that it will still be there when you leave. But guess what? Like, we don't want to feel it. We don't want to know about it. We don't want to care about it. Like, you're there to work with Jackson, right? So when you're thinking about anger and you're thinking about everything Ron's talking about, the four principles and all of that, putting it into real practice, right? So real practice is working with your son or your daughter. Also, even like your spouse, how many of you like go to like, even let's say you even just go shopping and let's say somebody was rude to you or you go to a restaurant to pick up food and the customer service is bad because honestly, I'm surprised Ron hasn't done a Ron's rant on customer service. Oh, I will. Trust okay. me. <laughs> so like basically like, I mean, I know this happens to me where I'm in a good mood, right? And I go out to a restaurant and for whatever reason, the person is not that kind to me and I really don't know why. Now, I allow it to get to me, and I get pretty annoyed by it, right? <laughs> yeah. And I go home, and let's say I had a significant other. Well, most likely what will happen is, even though you don't mean to, 
you might take it out on that other person. Even though they weren't even at the restaurant. They don't even know who the girl was. Yeah. They didn't mess up and put their dressing on the salad. They didn't know you asked for it on the side. You know, like, they didn't do anything. All they did was innocently stay at home and wait for the food. <laughs> they had no clue what had happened. Um, or, you know, like, maybe you were driving home and somebody cut you off. And so all these things escalated. And then you got home and guess who got to be the punching bag? Whoever the first person you saw was, not that it would be your child, but your significant other, maybe your mom, your dad, whoever's there, right? And honestly, if you take the principles that Ron was talking about and really implement them into your way of thinking and realizing that you have that power and then thinking maybe you go through the garage and before you even open the door and turn that handle, drop it, leave it at the door. Because most likely by the time you leave it and you go back, you're not going to remember what it was anyways because then you start getting into a different mindset, you know? Like how many of you have ever been in a fight with your significant other and then you fight and you fight and you're just kind of going in the circles and then you don't remember what the fight was even about, right? Because you're just, you're really not mad at whatever that thing is. You're just mad in general, right? And so if you start to recognize it's just a feeling, it's just an emotion, it doesn't define you, you actually don't have to stay mad. You know how people say, I got to go cool down? I got to like take a, like how Ron was saying, chill pill. I got to like just go and like get 10 minutes to myself. You actually really technically don't need 10 minutes. Yeah. It could barely be a second. That's true. And totally yet, true. But you in your head have heard it over and over and over again. I need 10 minutes to relax, right? Yes. I need 10 minutes to kind of like process this. How many of you guys have heard that in a fight? I got to go process this. I got to, like, go think about this. Well, they're all there. I got to go calm down, right? Well, and honestly, when you're calming down, who is the one that wrote the rule book that it took 10 minutes to calm down? <laughs> Why did they make it one second to calm down? <laughs> that's right. right? But yeah. we get so into, like, this kind of way of thinking that we somehow believe that's what is, we're supposed to do. So if you really listen to what Ron said, and even if you have to rewind this and, like, go back and look, and maybe you can just recap the four principles real quickly. Sure. Um, actually, well, yeah, the, there's the acknowledging that your anger is not being inflicted upon you. You're doing it to you. Acknowledging that you're doing it for a reason to get what you want. Acknowledging that anger is not a display of power. It's a request for power because you're feeling powerless. And acknowledge that um, unfairness is an idea you're just making up to justify what you want. And that applies to anybody you get mad at or anybody that gets mad at you. So even if the person gets mad at you, let's say. Let's say you're the one like waiting for the dinner and your significant other comes home and is mad at you. And now you choose to get mad at them, right? It doesn't mean just because they got mad at you first for no reason now that you can get mad at them even though you do have a reason, right? You're still like creating this vicious cycle that doesn't actually need to be done. Like if you realize it's really about them and it's really not about you or even when you're upset that you're realizing, you know what? Oh, it's really about me, you know? And there's probably, like, 20 other things that, like, all kind of added to whatever broke you at that moment, right? But you're doing it. And so, like, taking that time and just saying, okay, what's this really about? And instead of, like, having to go around the circle with your significant other, actually being honest with yourself. Because, honestly, you do know the answer. You just don't want to admit it sometimes. Because we've, we all of us have pride and we have ego. And a lot of times we don't want to admit we're wrong, even though we know we're wrong, right? So, again, that's I think all of those are great tips. The other thing I just will add here, too, is that, remember I said anger is not a display of power. It's a request for power by someone who feels powerless. Now, here's the thing. 
I understand how why it might feel uncomfortable if you have this feeling like you're powerless. So one of the things you can think to yourself is, let's say your child isn't progressing as fast as you want, or uh, someone isn't your school isn't treating you or your child the way you want, or your spouse or significant other isn't doing something that you want. And you're starting to feel yourself get get angry. You could one thing you could say to yourself. I'll I'll say this to myself sometimes is. You aren't powerless, you just haven't figured out how to get what you want yet, right? So that puts it on in a different place. Like it means you're acknowledging I want something that I'm not getting yet, fair enough, but I'm not, that doesn't make me powerless, it just means I haven't totally figured it out yet. And I don't need to get angry in order to figure it out. In fact, getting angry is gonna do the reverse of helping me figure it out. And that is, is the, the theme, theme of, of the, the show. show. Yes. Which now brings us to Kristen's Corner. Kristen's Corner. Okay. Kristen's Corner. So you remember a couple weeks ago, our last show, I was talking about um, some really cool household cleaners you already own that you can do some other cool things with. Um, I found some more on from the magazine All You. Uh, lemons. It says lemons. Harness the power of citrus to clean your microwave. Now, I know a lot of us don't have a microwave, for, but for those that do, this is a great tip. It says cut a lemon in half. Squeeze juice into a bowl of water. Add both lemon halves and place in the microwave for five minutes. The fresh scent eliminates cooking orders and condensation from the steam loosens random splatters that have hardened. Wipe away all loose stains with a damp cloth. I think that's pretty cool. How many of you guys, when you have, if you do use a microwave, you sometimes things explode in there, right? And like, don't smell very good. Okay. <laughs> um, another thing, salt. Polish tarnished copper with the natural solution. Fill a 16-ounce spray bottle with white vinegar and three tablespoons of salt. Spray onto the copper. Let set. Let it sit briefly and then rub clean. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, this one's interesting. Floss. It's not just for your teeth, apparently. They say, use dental floss to remove debris from the cutting disc on your electric can opener. You know, like that, like, you can't oh. ever forget. And you don't really want to scrub it because then you'll dull the blade, right? right? So I thought that was pretty interesting. That's okay, this one's another interesting one. Mouthwash. <laughs> the same product that kills bad breath germs also zaps that gunk between your, uh, beneath your feet. Okay, let me explain here. Add a capful of mouthwash to a gallon of water and mop vinyl or tile. However, not wood. Remind you, not wood. Just the mop, the vinyl, or the tile with the floor of the mixture, and it actually gets that gunk that's um, on that. And it probably smells really minty fresh um, if you have the minty. <laughs> I've always wanted a minty floor. But it might. I think it would probably smell pretty good because I, I can't handle like all the like Lysol brands and all that because it gives me a headache. Okay, disinfecting wipes this is the last one I read you. Um, grab a few disinfecting wipes to give faucets, sinks, tubs, toilet seats, you name it, an easy daily touch up. Granted, I use those all the time. I actually use seventh generation wipes. They have a disinfecting wipe that's a natural. They use like I think it's lemongrass that they use. It kills 99% of bacteria, but they do it in a natural way. I use that, um, and Ron knows me for many years. I'm a total neat freak. I do not like mess at all. She speaks true. And so I live with those like little wipes all the time, but they, you can get them um, at Target or Whole Foods. So, and probably lots of other places too, but I just know you can get those there. All right. So anyways, that is Kristen's Corner. And I always remind you guys to ask yourself, what have you done in your five minutes? And now it's time for Ron's Rant. Ron's Rant. Ron's Rant. Ron's Rant. Ron's Rant. All right, guys, I'm going to keep this short. But I just want to say this. I know we're not having an election right now, but we are going to have one later in the year. Um, and I, I want to say that uh, this. 
this is a rant. I hope you're not offended by this, but this is kind of a rant against you and you and you and you and all of us voters. Because here's what we do. Here's what we do as voters. We complain about it and the government and it doesn't listen to us and the, the, the parties, the two-party system doesn't, it doesn't represent our views and we get angry at what the politicians do or don't do and we're frustrated. Why, why do these bums you know, hold office? Why do these terrible people who are politicians, right? We go on and on like this. And we're forgetting a kind of important part of the equation which is I know painfully obvious, and it's not gonna surprise you, but we're the ones who put them there, right? We are the ones who put them there. And yes, you could say there's a lot of big money in politics, and, and hey, I would, I would love to change election law to not have politics work the way it works. But even, even though they work the, the way it works, that doesn't make us victims. Let's say, so right now it works in this kind of crazy way where millionaires and, and big corporations and stuff can like donate millions of dollars to either a super PAC or a candidate and, and, and they can flood the airwaves. But here's what's not being acknowledged. Even if you flood the airwaves with commercials, that doesn't take away us as voters our right to vote. The reason why they flood the airwaves with those kinds of by and large negative ads is because it works, because we watch those ads and then we proceed to move away from whoever they're bashing in terms of how we're voting. This is completely crazy, guys. This is basically we're complaining about us. Right? We're the ones who respond to negative ads, which are, would be really easy not to respond to. I mean, we even know that they're bull. Like We even say that, but we still watch them and we react to them. So it's really easy to just say, okay, I'm not going to believe any, any ads at all, no matter what they say, no matter how reasonable. I'm just not going to believe it. I'm not going to base my vote on a 30-second ad by someone with an axe to grind. That's crazy. Two, if I don't like what's happening or what's going on, I'm going to actually take the time to go out and vote when it's time to vote. And I'm going to vote for someone who represents something I believe in, whether they're part of the two-party system, whether they're not. I'm not going to let some pundit tell me who's likely to win and only vote for the person I think is likely. This is all totally solvable. It's solvable, actually, even before we change any campaign finance laws or whatever. We could change this stuff overnight if we wanted to, but we're actually playing into the hands of all the people that are in office, and we're doing everything that we're complaining about. So I got a rant about all of us because we could change it right now if we wanted, and we choose not to. Alrighty then. And that's the end of the show. That is the end. Guys, we are so grateful that you guys joined us here on Autism Approved Radio. If you ever have an idea for a show or you want to get a hold of us, please email us at Kristen at gmail.com, which is R-A-U-N-A-N-D-K-R-I-S-T-I-N at gmail.com. Or please find us at Facebook. Find Kristen Selby Gonzalez or Ron K. Kaufman. And thanks again for allowing us to bring hope into your homes. Until next time. Bye, guys. Thanks. Bye-bye. You're listening to Autism Approved Radio. 